Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Welcome. Uh, welcome to church. Um, we continue our series, For the Love of Others. This is part three of a five-part series. Um, this week's message as we're studying 1 Corinthians, we've been studying chapters 8 through 10 in this five-week series, and we're going to be the second half of chapter 9 today. But for this message here, I've entitled it Freedom and Discipline. Say that with me. Freedom and Discipline. It's an interesting, interesting combination that really the Apostle Paul is sharing with us today because here's, here's the thing. As we find this wonderful grace in Jesus Christ because He is our righteousness— he does the things that we cannot do. Uh, he lived the perfect and sinless life that we could not do, died on a cross for our sins. So we have this wonderful thing called grace in our life where sin no longer has dominion over our life. And there's this freedom we find in this grace. On the other hand of that, the Apostle Paul talks about this discipline as a follower of Christ that we must have. That we must follow his word, that we must be disciplined to be able to share the gospel, disciplined to live a holy life. Even though that we have the grace to cover our sins, there is also a, a side of discipline for us as Christians, as followers of Jesus. So that's the title of my, my message today, is Freedom and Discipline. We're looking at that second half of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to uh, work through verses 19 through 27. If you have your Bibles here today, or if you're watching us online uh, man, we encourage you to open up your Bibles or your devices and follow along as we go through the passages today. I've separated this message into four sections of reading. And so we're going to begin with verse 19. Uh, Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. In Paul's day, freedom and slavery were regular topics of the day. It's represented as a common divide between people, those who were free and those who were slaves. It was part of the culture of Paul's day. It's a scary thought to think that it was a part of our culture just 160 years ago. Praise God that we have broken free from that culture. In ancient Rome, slavery was widely accepted. It was viewed as part of the labor force in both manual labor and domestic services. There were unskilled slaves who worked on farms and worked in the mines, but there was also highly skilled, highly educated slaves who were accountants and physicians. Paul is using this term, slave and free, and I just kind of wanted to share that to understand, so that you could understand the culture of Corinth in that day. But Paul is using these terms, slave and free, to drive home a theological point. Paul was free both physically and spiritually. Paul was free physically because he was a Roman citizen, which declared him as free. Spiritually, he was free because his faith was in Jesus and he was free from the penalty of the law. Paul lived under God's grace. So both physically and spiritually, Paul was free. Yet, as we learned last week, the Apostle Paul was compelled by God to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. It was, it was the sacred trust that was given to him by Jesus himself. 
So even though Paul was this free person, he was now no longer bound to the law. He was set free by grace. He is a free person in physically in society because he's a Roman citizen, which in that day was the highest uh, ranking that you could have as a citizen was be a Roman citizen. So he is free in both scenarios. But even though Paul was a free person, he willingly made himself a slave to all people. Why would Paul make himself a slave to all people? That would be the question. Why? The only reason was to bring people to Jesus. That was the reason. You see, Paul considered himself first to be a slave to Christ, a servant to Christ. We know this in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. As we study God's word, you've got to study all of God's word and read it into context. In Romans 1, 1, Paul starts out his letter to the Romans. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Boy, that tells you everything you need to know about Paul right there. In those three phrases, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The Greek word used for slave or servant is the Greek word doulos. It means to bring yourself under the subjection of another. Paul sees himself as a bondservant to Christ. He is 100% devoted to serving Jesus. Paul sees no other choice. Jesus has saved his life. The other day, or I think just yesterday or the day before, Annette was watching the movie that's back in uh, 2002 with uh, Jim Caviezel or whatever. Yeah, Jim Caviezel, The Count of Monte Cristo. Have you guys, how many have seen that movie, The Count of Monte Cristo? I, I, I refer to that movie once in a while, uh, especially when that part where he says, I'm a priest, I'm not a saint. And you know, I love that part right there. So, he, but anyhow, you gotta watch the movie. Um, in the movie, The Count of Monte Cristo, Edmund Dantes is in a fight with a pirate named Jacopo. Jacopo? Jacopo? Jacopo. But he ends up sparing his life. They're in this fight, and he was able to kill him right there on the spot with this knife or a sword. I can't remember which one it was. And he was going to be able to kill them, but he spares his life. And Jacopo all of a sudden gives his loyalty and service to Edmund for the rest of his life because Edmund spared his life. He became really what was called a bondservant. To Edmund because he spared his life. That's what the Apostle Paul is sharing with us today. Because Jesus saved his life, guess what? I am a slave to Jesus Christ. I am a bondservant to him. I freely make the choice to serve Jesus for the rest of my life. Paul swore his loyalty and service to Jesus. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 6, 24, just as a reminder for each and every one of us, he says, no one can serve two masters. See, you're going to serve one or the other. There's always going to be a master in your life. If you didn't know that, that's a, hopefully that's enlightening to you today. There's always, Jesus made the comparison between mammon and God. He said, what are you going to serve? Are you going to serve money or possessions or are you going to serve me? You can't serve both. You've got to make a choice. Paul chose to be a slave to Jesus. In becoming a slave to Jesus, Paul effectively made himself a slave to all people. And I want you to catch this thought. When Paul made the decision, I'm going to serve Christ all the days of my life, in that moment he effectively made a decision that I'm going to be a servant to all people. I don't understand, Pastor Tom. Think about the symbolism where Jesus states in Matthew 20, verse 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. To give his life 
as a ransom for many. Paul's mission was to do everything possible to bring people to Jesus. Why? Because it was Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission when he came from heaven to earth was to do everything possible to bring people and restore the relationship between them and the heavenly father. And if it meant that he had to die on the cross for people's sins, then guess what? He died on the cross and was resurrected the third day. But he died on the cross to pay the price for my sins, for your sins. And Paul says, if that's the mission of my Lord and Savior Jesus, it becomes my mission today. It is good. So good. As Christ followers, it's our mission. If, if we make this statement that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then guess what? If you're a follower, if you're, if you're an employee of a company and you read their mission statement and their vision statement, that, that company expects you, guess what? To help them fulfill that mission statement. To help them fill that vision statement. Our vision at the church, to create an environment to see what God can do through people. Guess what? The mission, it goes right along with our mission statement, is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as we have made it effectively chosen to follow Jesus, guess what? It becomes our mission statement. In the next few verses, Paul describes what it means to be a slave to all people. Let's read verses 20 and 21. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the, under the law. Even though I'm not subject, even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles, the Greeks, the non-Jews, who do, who do not follow the Jewish law, I, live, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. Remember, Paul was a Jewish man, a high-ranking Pharisee. Prior to his conversion, he was a high-ranking Pharisee. So Paul understood Judaism. He understood the law of Moses. When Paul states, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew, he did so for the sake of reaching others with the love of Jesus Christ. He chose to live like a Jew to not, offend, to not offend his own people. Paul would keep the Sabbath when he, when he was with the Jews. He went to the synagogue to worship. He participated in the different Jewish festivals. Paul didn't want to unnecessarily offend the Jewish people. He didn't need to go out of his way to offend those who were still under the law. It's a great reminder for us not, and I want you to catch this, it's a great reminder for each and every one of us not to force our opinions onto others. I'm going somewhere, so I'm going to go here. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. A few years ago, um, you know, in America we get probably the most hot topic we have is politics. It's probably one of the hotter topics. And a few years ago, um, we had some people who wore um, T-shirts about a political candidate to our church. And it was interesting. I lost a couple people from our church because people wore T-shirts that said something, I support this person or that person. And a couple, a couple of people just, yeah, I don't want to be a part of that. And you know, for me as a pastor, that so grieved my heart that we lost a couple people who are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we need to lay down certain things for the message of the gospel. 
We need to lay down what our, our hard beliefs that, man, we got it, you know, this, and this, I'm this, and, I, and lay it down for the message of the gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He said, hey, when I'm with the Jews, man, I do according to what the Jews do because I don't want to offend everybody. But when I'm with the Greeks, with the Gentiles, guess what? They're not under the law. They don't need to have that weight under, over them. So guess what? I'm going to live free with them. He's not talking about sin. We're going to keep on going here. Paul didn't want to unnecessarily offend the Jewish people. He didn't want to go out of his way to offend those. It's a great reminder for us today. The most important message for people is to hear the gospel of, of the good news of Jesus Christ. For, for, for some, man, I guess I'm telling you, the political message has become more important than the gospel message. The political message for many have become more important than the gospel message. That is dangerous. The gospel is the most important message for people to hear. The gospel message is the only thing that has the ability to save people from eternal damnation. It has the only ability to bring people into heaven is the message of the gospel. Everything else is going to burn away. Just telling you the truth. Boy, getting old Pentecostal here preaching. The apostle Paul had practiced the law all of his life. But he was no longer obligated to the law because of the grace he experienced through Jesus Christ. Yet when Paul was around the Jewish people, he voluntarily chose to submit to some of those Jewish traditions or customs for their sake. Let's be clear. Paul never altered the gospel message. Never altered the gospel message. If the gospel message offended people, then that offense was made unapologetically. If, if we preach a gospel message and that's what offends people, or if you share the gospel message, and that, that's okay. If you offend people because of the gospel message, that's okay. I'm just telling you, do it in kindness. Don't go out there and hold a sign, turn or burn, okay? Do it in love. In verse 21, Paul addresses his position when he is living with the Greeks. With the Greeks or the Gentiles, he lives apart from the law. If you read through the book of Romans or through the book of Galatians, you'll understand Paul's teaching on this freedom that he has found in Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the bondage of the law. Paul writes, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you remain free, that you stay free, and don't get tied up again into the slavery of the law. You see, the purpose of the law was always to reveal our sinfulness and point us to Jesus. That was the purpose of the law. Don't get stuck in the bondage of the law and miss out on the, knowing the wonderful grace and forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ. Don't get stuck in religion and just going to church and just checking off the box and forget about this wonderful message of the love of Jesus Christ. If you're not experiencing the love of God, you're missing out. If you're just experiencing religion, you're missing out. You need to experience a relationship that God loves you. When Paul was with the Gentiles, he did not live under the bondage of the law. He did not practice all the rituals. Why? Why, why, would, why would Paul, if he was with the Greeks, why, would he, why wouldn't he just kind of be who he was? And if he was a Jewish man and he practiced Judaism, why wouldn't he just stay in that? Because he didn't want the Gentiles to put their trust in the law. He wanted them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Paul had an extreme confidence in the grace of God. He had to. 
He had to have 100% confidence in the grace of God to be able to walk away from, from everything that he grew up in as, and, and what he had learned to be able to walk away from that and to step out and say, you know what, I'm, I am 100%, my salvation is 100% in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it is only by faith that I can receive that righteousness. He had extreme confidence in the grace of God. Paul knew the answer to salvation was not found in trusting his flesh. Our flesh will always lead us astray. Look at the Apostle Paul. He found himself on the opposite side of Jesus. Before he was saved, before he had the encounter with Jesus Christ, he was on the opposite side of Jesus. He was persecuting the church. He was fighting against the Messiah. And yet the entire time, he believed that he was obeying the law of Moses. Do you see what the flesh does? The entire time he was thinking that he was obeying the law of Moses and yet he was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting Christ. Christ had to interrupt everything and say, Paul, you're on the wrong side. Get on the right side. That's what happens when we trust our flesh too much. We need to trust the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Paul's life was radically transformed not by the law, but by the Spirit of Christ. Paul found righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul would never want to put new Christians under the bondage of the law or under the bondage of religion. He wanted them to be under the freedom of God's grace. This is where true transformation takes place. Notice at the end of verse 21. I want you to know this because he doesn't want us to be a part of the law. But notice what he says at the end of verse 21. Paul states he does not ignore the law of God. Because he obeys the law of Christ. This is a really important understanding of what it means to be a Christian and when we, when we choose to follow Christ. Because what is the law of Christ? Jesus gives the law of Christ in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. He says, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other, commandment, no other commandments are greater than these. This is the law that we must follow. What is that law, Pastor Tom? It's an agape law. It's an unconditional love for others. It's self-sacrificing both to God and to others. It's the theme of our series, For the Love of Others. We do certain things, never, never disobeying God in the process of this, but we do certain things for the love of others. It's our theme. Paul continues in verse 22 to describe what it means to be a slave to all people, to bring many to Christ. He says, when I'm, weak, when I, when I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share it in its blessings. I believe that first sentence, when I am with those who are weak, I share in the weaknesses. Some people think that what Paul is talking about is sin. That is not talking about sin. He is never saying that you should share in someone's sin. Or that you should go out and sin to go and, and, and help bring people to Jesus. That is not what he is saying. What he is really referring to is back to chapter 8. He says, man, if I'm going to offend because I'm eating meat that was sacrificed to idol and they are weak of conscience, then guess what? I'm going to be weak and I'm not going to eat meat any longer. What he's basically saying, if you know that there is brother or sister in Christ or someone that is going to struggle with something that you're doing, stop doing it. For their sake. 
Even if you don't struggle with it, stop doing it for their sake. Don't do it when you're around them. Because you know what? It's going to make them fall or, or have this thought that, man, it's going to condemn them or they, it's connected to something that is wrong or evil or sin in their life. Don't do it. That's what he's talking about, weakness. Some have, mis- have mistaken that scripture for sin. That is not sin. If you missed the first message of the series, go back and listen to it because that's where I talk about that in chapter 8. He's rest- Paul in this passage of scripture is encouraging us to restrict your freedom for the sake of others. Paul once again reminds us why he's doing what he's doing is to spread the good news. I like the ESV translation of this. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. The reason I like the wording, it brings me back towards the mission that Jesus Christ has given us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That's the mission that Jesus gave us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. As Christians, we need to think of the gospel as our mission. Do we think that? Do we ever consider that, man, I just signed up to be a part of God's army. And it's not a violent army in the sense of it's violent spiritually, but it's not violent physically. It's an army that goes out, you know what, and it's trying to win the world with the love of Jesus Christ. That would be a good place to say amen. In the military, when they are given a mission... There's a strategy developed to accomplish that mission. They must bring together financing and human resources, equipment, supplies, a strategic plan. Many times there's a special reconnaissance that is sent out, a team that is sent out to help develop the best strategy possible. When Joshua entered into the promised land, remember the story of Joshua, he was going into the promised land, and one of the things he had to do was he had to capture the city of Jericho, and it seemed like an impossible mission He sends out two spies into the promised land. And those two spies, all of a sudden, uh, they get connected to this prostitute named Rahab. And she she hides them from the the army there in Jericho. But she shares with them something that's super important, something that's super super special. She shares with, uh, with, with the two spies, she says, we live in fear of the Israelites. We live in fear of the Israelites' God. The two spies, they come back to Joshua and tell, the, tell Joshua they are in fear. You know, there's never a better time to go on an attack is when someone's in fear. Joshua said, let's go. And they go on the attack and they, con- they conquer Jericho by the power of God. First John 4, 4 states, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. That's what what 1 John 4, you know what, what that means? It means if you have the spirit of God in you, the devil is afraid of you. The devil is fearful of you. Why? Because you have the spirit of the almighty God in you. Why would you walk around in fear? Why are you walking around in fear if you have the Spirit of God in you? Walk around in confidence and in faith that God can do all things through through Jesus Christ. Everything is possible because you have, guess what, God living in you. We don't need to walk in fear. So let's go on the attack. That's what happened in Jericho. What? They're living in fear. The devil's living in fear. Man, go slap the devil upside the head. Say, you dumb 
You don't do that to me. I'm a child of God. See, God has given us a mission to share the gospel, but so many of us live in fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear. That's from the enemy. Paul is sharing his strategy. He says, I go out and find a common ground with all people. Meaning he's not going into the community as a bull in a china shop. He doesn't try to just go and destroy everything. He goes and tries to find commonality with all people so that he can share the good news of the gospel. So that he can share the love of Jesus Christ to all people. Find what you have in common with others. And then start letting that door be open where you can share God's love. Share what God has done in your life. That will connect with people better than anything else. When all of a sudden you start sharing what God has done for you, I want to be a part of that. See, Paul's mission was to fulfill God's mission. And God's mission for Paul always trumped his personal rights and his personal freedom. Paul's mission was to help others find God's love. Paul states these words. He says, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. It's the reason why we do what we do here at South Coast Christian. We support missionaries all around the world because we love Jesus and we want people to hear the gospel message. We raised over $60,000 to help launch a ministry there in Los Angeles, Angel City Collective. Why? Because we love people. We're sending a missions team in November to Ecuador. Buy your plane ticket, please, because it's going to go up. I'm just telling you right now. Buy your plane tickets if you're signed up. Why are we sending a missions team to Ecuador? Because we love people. Why do we do children's ministry, youth ministries, life groups? A group of, of people just got back for our, from our, our camp up there at, what is it, not Cedar Springs, Pinecrest. Cedar Springs is Washington. Pinecrest, they just got back. Chris, you survived. I can't believe you didn't have the, I survived, the, you know, the, the camp t-shirt. He went up. That guy is brave right there. There's a guy that doesn't have any fear. He's full of faith. He went up to a camp with kids and he survived. But we send kids up there. Why do we do that? Because we want kids to understand the love of God. We want them to experience what it means to be in a community that loves Jesus Christ. That's why we have church on Sunday, not only to build up the body of Christ, but to share the gospel, to share the good news to those who don't know God's wonderful love. It's helping people find community, not just with one another, which is so important, but with Jesus Christ. There's a great blessing that we share with Christ when we see people who make choices to follow Jesus. Oh, there's nothing greater. There's times in our life where Annette and I look back at, at different times in our lives where we, we know that we impacted someone's life who followed Jesus Christ and their family. And there's nothing greater than to see that. Jesus said, all of heaven rejoices when one lost person repents of their sins and returns to God. We should be a rejoicing church. Occasionally, Annette and I think back, man, what a difference. What a difference. Chapter 9 ends with Paul sharing these words. I want to read them to you. This is our final passage of Scripture. So if your stomach is hungry, just hang on to it because we're good. I know I said barbecue earlier on. It messed some of you guys up. <laughs> Verses 24 through 27, Paul writes, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. 
training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Let me ask a question. How many of you like to lose? Raise your hand with me if you like to lose. If you just revel in the opportunity to lose. There's one. Oh, you like to lose? How many of you like to lose? Annette loves to lose. If you didn't know that about Annette, if you play cards with Annette, she loves to lose. Just play cards with her. You'll find out how much she likes to lose. There's another side. You guys think only Annette is nice. Play cards with Annette and you'll see a whole other side, okay? It comes out. Jeff and Paula know what I'm talking about. But most of us don't like to lose. We don't like to lose. We don't like to lose in card games. We don't like to lose in the stock market. We don't like to lose in business. We don't like to lose the promotion. We just don't like losing. The only thing most people want to lose is weight. That's about it. But if you read, if you read any of Paul's writings, you'll discover that Paul doesn't like to lose. He makes it very clear. Every other year in Corinth, they would hold the Isminian Games. I think it's how you say it. I can't say it right. It was kind of like the Olympics. And it was in honor of the Greek god Poseidon. And, it was, and, and, and they would hold these games every other year. And Paul's writings are most likely referring to these games. The athletes would train all their life so that they could play in these games. But it's interesting, unlike the Olympics where there's a gold, silver, or bronze medal, there's a first, second, and third place. There is no third place. There is no second place. There is only winner. First place. That's it in these games. The competitions would include the variety of activities and foot races and wrestling and boxing, throwing the disc, throwing the javelin. Long jump, chariot racing, whatever. They even had a poetry reading. They had singing. They had all kinds of stuff. So the people in Corinth would have understood Paul's illustration when he was saying, train to win. They understood that winning required discipline. It required that you'd be intentional in what you do. Yet the prizes that these athletes, and this is what Paul was trying to share, the prizes that these athletes would win were only temporary. They didn't last. Most people never remember their names. We don't know their names of who were. I think the only one that I can think of is maybe Hercules. Maybe that would be the only. Otherwise, all the names fade away. We don't even know that Hercules was real for sure. I, I don't know, not sure. I have to study my history on that one. But what we do as followers of Jesus, it's not a game. Our work does not fade away. The prize we play for will last for all of eternity. When you're serving in children's ministry and you're helping the two and three and four year olds and you're thinking you're not doing hardly anything there, but you have them in church and you're showing the love of God, that work will last for all of eternity. When you all of a sudden volunteer on Wednesday nights and you serve with the youth ministries and you're a part of that, or you, you say, man, I'm going to sponsor kids to go to, to youth camp, and you say, I'm going to sponsor kids to go to children's camp, that what you do, the sacrifice that you made, is not a game. It lasts for all of eternity. Those are the things that are important. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to, to relate to us. It's what he's trying to relate to the people of Corinth. Hey, you know what? Everything else fades away. Everything else disappears. The big house, the nice car, all those things, and they're nice to have. Those are all wonderful things, but they all disappear. The only thing that will last is what you do for God. 
What are you doing for the Lord? Jesus describes this in the parable of the talents and the rewards of the good servants. He gave one five, he gave another one two, he gave one one. We know that, the, or you might not know, but the one that had the one talent just buried his. He didn't use it for anything. He just kept it for himself. He didn't do anything with it. And Jesus calls him a wicked servant. But for those that invested and did great with their, what the God had given, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. There is a reward for all of us who run with purpose. The reward is, is those who we bring with us. Who are we bringing with us to heaven? How joyous it will be one day when we enter into heaven. I have family members that one day I'm going to see again. I know it in my heart. I have family members I'm going to see, but I also have friends. And man, there is going to be a celebration in heaven that is going to be remarkable. We made it. We did it. Is this a God-fearing church? I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> Woo! When I think about getting into heaven, I think about family members I'm going to see. I think about friends I'm going to see, neighbors I'm going to see, families in Ecuador that I've never met that I'm going to see, families in Los Angeles that I've never met that I'm going to see, families in Africa, families in Haiti, because we've done the work of the ministry. We reach others by giving both time and money. It's one of the reasons we support foreign missions. You'll see our foreign missions map out there. And we're actually redoing it so that you can actually see the missionaries that we support. Because people keep stealing the magnets off of it. So we're doing something different. <laughs> and then I have this fear that one of these little kids is going to swallow the magnet and then it's done. It's over. So we're changing things around. God has given us the mission to reach people both near and far. He says in Acts 1.8, Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When Paul states, don't be disqualified from the competition, I don't necessarily think that Paul is really speaking about his salvation. Be sure that you don't get disqualified from salvation. But I believe he's speaking about fulfilling the mission that God has given him. I say this because if you read chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes how our work will be tested by fire. If our work is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, if our work is pure, guess what? It will survive the fire. But if our work is impure, if it's built on our selfishness, if it's built on our selfish desires or on, the found, on a foundation other than Jesus Christ, guess what? It's going to be burned up in the fire. In these games that were played in Corinth, the athletes had to take an oath to abide by the rules of the game. If they broke the oath, they would be disqualified from the, disqualified from the games. I was watching, I think it was Friday, I was watching the PGA U.S. Open for the ladies' turn, tournament, golf tournament. And one of, the, one of the ladies' contestants or golfers, she was disqualified from the tournament because her caddy used a, uh, one of those, what are they called, radar finders? Not, range finder, thank you. Range finders. He used a range finder on the course and it was, deemed that that was illegal for this tournament and so she was disqualified from the tournament the apostle paul says you know what everything that is not built on the foundation of jesus christ is going to be disqualified so make sure what you're doing is doing it for a purpose for a plan to get people saved our success in bringing others into the kingdom requires discipline and sacrifice it requires that we remain 
on course in following Jesus. So here's the question for each and every one of us today. Who are you helping? Are you making a difference by giving of your time and your resources? Here's a term for you, ROI. What does that mean, ROI? Return on investment. Many of you know because you watch your stocks, you watch your mutual funds, or maybe you're in business and you're looking for the return on investment. Have you ever considered the return on investment in how are we investing into the kingdom of God? What's my return? That should be the number one thing that we should be looking at. Instead of the stock market, instead of the business stuff, all that kind of stuff, what's my return on investment with what I'm doing with Jesus Christ? Because that's what's going to last for all of eternity. I say thank you to those in you, I believe you know in your heart who you are. I say thank you to those in this church who are leading the way. And so many of you are. So many of you are. You're serving faithfully. You're giving faithfully. You're sacrificing. You're making a difference. Because it's the number one priority in your life is to serve Jesus Christ. You see, you are a, you have made a decision in your life. When you chose to follow Jesus, you became a bondservant to Jesus Christ. Meaning this, whatever mission that Jesus is on, that is my mission. Thank you for being on the mission. Thank you for serving, serving Jesus Christ faithfully. Because you are making a difference. And there's going to be a day when all of a sudden we all enter into heaven. And we're going to hear those words. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. So I, for those who get tired, for those who get weary, don't give up. Keep the fight. Keep moving forward. Because I don't know if you know this. I hate to spoil it for you. But we win. We don't lose. We don't lose. I don't know if I told you this. But God hates losing. And he doesn't lose. He only wins. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is powerful. It changes our lives. It's by the Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that your word comes alive to us. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit today that was present with each and every one of us. I pray that, God, the words that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 would come alive to us this week. Not in a judgmental or condemning way. God, I, I, I pray against that. If anyone has this thought of judgment, God, release them from that in Jesus' name. I pray that the word of God, Lord God, will come alive to us in such a way that it, will, that it will motivate us. It will encourage us to do even more than ever before. It will encourage us to set a time to learn your word. It will encourage us to set a time to be able to share the gospel with others. It will encourage us, Lord God, to sacrifice in a greater way than we've ever sacrificed before. Because, Lord, we want to do everything that we can to bring people to, to a saving knowledge of who you are that you are our Lord, our Savior. You're the miracle worker. You're the one who sets people free. You're the one who breaks the bondages. You're the one that breaks loneliness. You're the one that heals hurts. You're the one that forgives us, Lord God, of our sins, so that condemnation, that guilt displaces because of your love. God, let people discover who you are, I pray. And I pray, God, that you would use us in every way. Lord, today as a church, we submit to your authority. We submit to your love. We ask, Lord God, that you would use us. Use us in a mighty way. If you're here today with every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. 
and you don't know the love of Jesus, maybe you're watching us online, maybe you're here present with us today, I encourage you to, to just understand this truth. That Jesus loves you. And he died on the cross for your sins. And if you want to be in community with God, if you want to say, yeah, I need God on my side, or I want to be on God's side, that's what it is. It's not you being on his side. It's you going to get on God's side and say, Pastor Tom, I want to do that today. Just raise your hand real high. I want to just look. Just ra- I see that hand. Anybody? I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. If you're watching this online, just raise your hand right there. Say this prayer. Everybody say this prayer with me today. Everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Today I receive your forgiveness. I'm sorry for what I've done. I choose to follow you. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, God good? All the time. He is good. He is faithful. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.